Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I'll be going through some of the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some pretty nice music along the way. I'm feeling a feel-good music type of day, but anyway... I have so much to get into today. Women's World Cup is underway, and I'll be recapping the entirety of match day number one. The NBA Finals is, well, down to possibly its last game or two. The Stanley Cup Final Game 7 is tonight. Should be very fun to have a conclusion to that series. A champion will be crowned tonight. As well, I have my Copa America bracket, where I will be breaking down who I think will win that tournament. And I also get to talk about something that I wanted to talk about a few weeks ago, but due to the fact that there were so many things happening, I wanted previews for the Women's World Cup, the Copa America, the UEFA Champions League, all of that. I had to sort of put it on a back burner for a couple of weeks. But I will talk about the World Hockey Championships. I know those wrapped up a couple of weeks ago, but again, time purposes... I do have time today to talk about it, but my opening segment today is on the FIFA Women's World Cup. Match day number one is in the books, and match day number two has begun today, but I'm not going to talk about match day number two yet. I'll talk about that next week. For right now, just match day number one. Each team has played at least one game so far in this tournament, and so... Here we go. My thoughts. So I'll start in Group A, where France opened up the Women's World Cup to a nearly sold-out crowd at the Parc de Princes, which was very nice to see. The atmosphere there looked tremendous, so that was very nice. I always like seeing the... I love seeing the fans and stuff like that really get into a tournament like this, especially because I know the Women's World Cup... The players on the French women's team wouldn't have the same name recognition that the players on the men's team would have, but certainly very nice to see the crowd really get into the game and stuff like that. And, I mean, the team kind of gave them good opportunities to do that because France were absolutely stunning in their opening match. They won 4-0 against South Korea. Except France was just in total control of this game from the get-go. Amadine Henri, she was my player to watch on this French side. I mean, she was tremendous in this game. She was doing everything in midfield, got an assist on the first goal, and scored a very nice fourth goal where she curled in the shot from just outside the box into the far corner. Very impressive performance from Amadine Henri. Delphine Cascarino, she was another one that I thought really stood out for France in this game. I thought... Her ball control, number one, was exceptional in this game. I thought her ball control, her dribbling, her ability to really spread out the South Korean defense, I thought she was so important in this game. She didn't score for France, but I thought Cascarino did so much for them out on the wing. And then finally, the other standout for me, Wendy Renard. She's actually the tallest player at this FIFA Women's World Cup, and she used her height to good advantage to score two goals off of headers from corners, and as a result, helped lead France all the way to their 4 nothing win. It was really a game that France kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit in that second half, but in the first half, they were absolute quality in this game. South Korea, I feel bad 
because Cho Seung Young, their captain, she really tried her best. And you could tell, like, when she had the ball, there was a little bit of calmness in the team, a little bit more relaxation and a little more confidence that they could do something with it. But the minute she passed off, all that went away because France pressed and were able to win the ball back constantly. And it really just was not a fun day to be a South Korea fan. They got completely dominated in this game. But full, full credit to the hosts. They look like World Cup contenders in this opening match. The other Group A match that took place was between Norway and Nigeria. I felt really bad for Nigeria in this game. They lost 3-0, but two of the goals that Norway scored were own goals. And so those are the, just the breaks sometimes. And for Nigeria, a team that has certainly hopes of progressing into the round of 16, not a great start for them. For Norway, though, certainly a very good result and a one that I think they probably earned in spite of the own goals, but certainly were good on the day. And they have a really big match coming up against France in match day number two. So we'll see a lot about what this Norwegian team is made of. Moving on to Group B, Germany, the team that I picked to win the whole thing. They won this game 1-0, kind of just barely, because the Chinese team, I have, to, I have to give China a lot of credit. China created a ton of chances. The problem, they were unbelievably wasteful with those chances, because... If you like if you haven't seen the highlights from this game just go watch the highlights because I don't know how China didn't score. Like they had such great A like golden opportunities and they just couldn't put it in. And for Germany, it was 19-year-old Gulia Gwyn who scored a very nice goal of beautiful volley from outside the box curled in to the corner. Unfortunately though for Germany, Despite the 1-0 result, uh, the 1-0 win for them, Jennifer Marozan, probably their best player, she suffered a broken toe in this game, and now her status for the rest of the tournament is questionable at best. So, could be a big loss for Germany. We'll have to wait and see how that impacts the team. But definitely a good win for them, but hopefully... It really sucks if Marzan's gone for the tournament from the first game. The other game in Group B was Spain-South Africa. It took a while, but Spain eventually got the win. They got some help from video assistant referee as VAR helped call two penalties in the game. The first one, which I thought was definitely correct. The second one, not entirely sure about that, but that's certainly a debate for... That's certainly a debate that I think people will have, but... Spain still won the game 3-1. to one. I think Spain probably earned the result nonetheless, but it took a while. And certainly some concerns with the Spanish team in the opening game that they'll have to try and fix going forward. Moving on to Group C, Italy notched the first real upset of the tournament. They won 2-1 to one over Australia with a goal in what was literally the last minute of the game. It was Bar <laughs> Barbara Bonasea who scored for Italy. She scored both goals, the game-winning goal and the game-equalizing goal. Sam Kerr scored the, scored the only goal for Australia in what was definitely an unfortunate start for them in this tournament. But a great result for Italy, and there might be a realistic shot at Italy progressing into the round of 16. The other game in Group C was Brazil versus 
Jamaica, and despite not having Marta in the side, Brazil had no problems winning this game. Christiane ended up with a hat-trick for them, and I, I think it was just Jamaica, it's their first time here, and, you know, their quality in the Jamaican side certainly isn't up to snuff for what a Brazilian side is. So, Brazil with a good 3-0 win, and they're on top of Group C. Moving on to Group D, England won 2-1 over Scotland in maybe not the most impressive performance ever from the English side, but certainly one that got the job done. And in this in tournaments like these, that's kind of all you need sometimes. The other result was very surprising, though. Japan got a draw with Argentina. Argentina were able to force a nil-nil draw out of Japan. And so not a good start for the... 2011 champions and the 2015 runners-up. For Argentina, though, it's the first time they've ever gotten a result against Japan in the women's game, so certainly a massive game and a massive result for a largely inexperienced Argentinian side, but one that, you know, maybe there's a path to the round of 16 for them. That's a big result. They still have to play England and Scotland, but we'll have to see going forward. And then we have Group E. This is Canada's group, and Canada won 1-0 against Cameroon. Goal scored by Kadisha Buchanan off of a corner kick. That's pretty much all I have to say about that game. It was so boring. Just, I didn't think a Canadian team could be that boring. Like, they have a lot of quality. Canada has a lot of good players. But they played a very defensive formation that had very little, um, very little to next to nothing as far as attacking quality from midfield. And that was a big problem for them, was Sinclair had to drop really deep sometimes to try and create up going forward because they didn't have a creative midfielder playing in that role. So, I don't know. My, my, my problem with Canada was just like, they, they clearly were the better team than Cameroon. They were clearly in control for most of that game, but they played such boring soccer like it didn't have to be that boring really didn't like they could have put in much more excitement created a lot more chances but they basically were just content to let Cameroon park the bus and they didn't really feel like scoring more than one goal I don't know I just feel like because the Canadian men's team has been such an embarrassment for years Almost all of its existence for the most part. But the Canadian women's team has actually been good. And, like, they're the team that I think has to inspire people in this country to play soccer. And you're not going to inspire people by playing some of the most boring football I've ever seen. So, I don't know. I, I certainly hope Canada play with more swagger and more excitement and more attacking intent going forward. The other game in the group... Netherlands and New Zealand, similarly to the Germany and Spain game, I don't know how New Zealand came out of this game without a goal. Because they had so many chances. They hit the crossbar, they had like a couple others that it's just like, how did they not get a goal in this game? The Dutch left it late, but they certainly earned their goal that they got in the end too. But it's just, Dutch got a 1-0 win, and again, just like the Germany and China result, I don't know how the losing team didn't score. But those are the breaks sometimes. And then finally on to Group F, where sadly Chile could not pull off a historic result against Sweden. They ended up losing this game 2-0 despite the heroic efforts 
of goaltender Christian Endler. She was just unreal in this game. She really was. Sweden were quite obviously the better team. And in soccer, there's a stat, like, there's a stat for pass accuracy. And passing accuracy doesn't always tell much of a story. Like, like sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But anyway, a traditional pass accuracy for an average team in a game is somewhere between 70 to 80%. That's usually where a team would end up, regardless of whether or not they're playing lots of defense or if they're playing a possession style. If they're playing a possession style, usually it'll be in the 80s, unless it's like Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, in which case it's in the 90s. But Chile's pass accuracy in this game against Sweden was 54%. It's hard to win games when you're completing 54% of your passes. That, that was just the... A stat that stood out to me from this game. But Endler was unbelievable in the Chilean goal. Sweden definitely were the better team. And Aslani ended up scoring the game-winning goal for them. And so they got the result they wanted. For Chile, though, actually not a terrible result. Because the minus two in their goal difference. I mean, the realistic opportunity for Chile was to qualify as third place. And not as a top two in the group. So as long as they don't get killed by the U.S., they, they have a shot. Um, speaking of the U.S., they actually did kill Thailand, and, like, I mean, they beat Thailand by a scoreline that's the biggest in World Cup history, men's or women's. This game was 13 to nothing. 13 to nothing in a World Cup game. I mean, I don't know how much more there is to say than 13 nothing. Like, Thailand didn't even look like they belonged to the World Cup. That, that's how bad it was. And I know after the game, a lot of people were upset at the U.S. team. And first of all, before I make my point, I want to say that I have absolutely zero problem with what the U.S. did in running up the score. No problem at all. This is a tournament where there, go- where there is goal difference, and that matters. So I have absolutely no problem with the U.S. running up the score on Thailand. No problem at all. My problem was more the goal celebrations. Not that you shouldn't celebrate goals, but okay, at some point, when you're winning 9-0, 10-0, 11-0, you tone down the goal celebrations. Like, at that point, you've already won the game. Like, there's no... T- the other team is clearly way worse than you, and there's no way you're going to lose that game. So, I don't know. I, I didn't love the fact that the U.S. were still celebrating their goals, like, with emphatic celebrations. Like, at that point, when you're up, like, 9 nothing, 10 nothing, 11 nothing, like, you know, obviously score the goals. Like I said, no problem running up the score. Score your goals, as many as you can. But, you know, maybe you go give a high five to your teammates and, you know, run back to the center circle and maybe don't do these elaborate celebrations because it's a little bit disrespectful, just being totally honest with my opinion on that. But anyway, nonetheless, U.S. certainly look like they are favorites to win the thing again. Thailand didn't even look like they belonged to this tournament. And we'll see how the rest of the group plays out. I'd imagine Sweden and the U.S. will likely play for first place in the final match day. But we'll see. I hope Chile certainly put up a much better performance than what Thailand did because... Losing 13 to nothing would suck, regardless of what country you are and regardless of what sport you're in. So, that's pretty much all I have to say about Group F 
And that's all the groups covered for match day number one. Match day number two, like I said, underway today, and I'll be covering all of that next week. Some very good matchups in match day number two. France play Norway in a massive group A tilt. Australia probably have to get a result against Brazil in their match for match day number two. And then we have Canada playing New Zealand. And, I mean, can't, for Canada's sake, if they want to win the group, again, another game they probably have to win. So, lot to look forward to in match day number two. Coming up in the rest of my show, like I mentioned off the top, I have a Copa America bracket to do. I have NBA Finals to talk about. And a World Hockey Championship that I had put off for a couple of weeks. But I finally have time to talk about it today. For right now... In my first music break of the day, I have two songs. The first one, Calvin Harris with Summer. The second one is Gym Class Heroes and Stereo Hearts. Listen to CMRU.ca by students for you. When I met you in the summer To my heartbeat sound We fell in love as the leaves turn brown And we could be together, baby As long as skies are blue You act so innocent now But you lied so soon When I met you in the summer
If I was just another dusty record on the shelf, would you blow me off and play me like everybody else? If I asked you to scratch my back, could you manage that? Like if we had chicken travy, I can handle that. Furthermore, I apologize for any skipping tracks. This is the last girl that played me left a couple cracks. I used to, used to, used to, used to, now I'm over that. Cause holding grudges over love is ancient artifacts. If I could only find a note to make you understand, I sing it softly in your ear and grab you by the hands. Keep me stuck inside your head like your favorite tune. And know my heart. It's a stereo, the only place for you. <laughs> I was an old school 50 pound boombox. Would you hold me on your shoulder wherever you walk? Would you turn my volume up in front of the cops? And crank it higher every time they told you to stop. And all I ask is that you don't get mad at me. When you have to purchase Mad D batteries. Appreciate every mixtape your friends make. You never know, we come and go like on the interstate. I think I finally found a note to make you understand. If you can hit it, sing along and take me by the hands. Keep me stuck inside your head like your favorite tune. You know my heart. Stereo the only place for you Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. I'm into my second segment of the day, and that will be the World Hockey Championships. And again, I know they finished a few weeks ago, but with the UEFA Champions League final, with the fact that I wanted to preview the Women's World Cup, the Copa America, and all that, plus the Raptors making the NBA Finals, I sort of didn't have time to talk about it in previous weeks. But I do this week. So, World Hockey Championship. It was actually 
really cool tournament. And I'm not just saying that because Finland won. Because for those of you who don't know, because I'm half Finnish, half Chilean, so of course Finland won of my countries. Them winning was awesome. But I, I know normally in a normal year, Finland winning the World Hockey Championship wouldn't mean a whole lot just because Finland is one of the hockey superpowers. And it's like, oh, Finland won a hockey championship. Yeah, they won a lot of those. But this year was special because Finland have a really stacked roster. But none of their best players were at this tournament for them. The Finnish roster, just to give you guys a little context, so it basically had no NHLers on the team. Like, all the best Finnish players who play in the NHL, most of them were in the playoffs this year and had deep runs. In fact, Tuka Rask for Boston, he's going to be playing Game 7, and I'll talk briefly about the Stanley Cup Final in my next segment. But, like, you had Rantanen in Colorado. He went into the second round. Aho and Teravainen of Carolina, they went to the second round this year. So there's a lot of, like, Finland's best players all deep into the playoffs. So they couldn't play at the World Hockey Championships. And as a result, most of the team was from the Finnish Elite League. And I don't know if I'd call it a Finnish C team or a Finnish B team, but, I mean, they certainly didn't play like they were a Finnish C team because they were great in this tournament. And... I think it's just a great example of in sport, it's not, obviously talent's important, you have to have talent, but talent isn't always the defining factor, because there's things like heart, and passion, and team chemistry, which was on display for this Finnish side, I mean, it's pretty obvious that you can tell these players play against each other a lot, and it's because they play in the same league for the most part, but... I mean, the performances, the overall team performance out of this Finnish side to beat the much more talented, like, NHL rosters from the other sides, like, I mean, it was kind of inspiring in a lot of ways because it's like, well, you don't have to be in the NHL and you don't have to be a quote-unquote big name and to have success because your team, playing as a team and playing together is more important sometimes. And that was, I think, on display the entire tournament. Not to mention some terrific goaltending as well. But then again, goaltending, I think, has become a staple of Finnish hockey where it's just they constantly have good goalies. It doesn't seem to matter who wears the jersey and net. As long as Finland has a goalie, they're probably pretty good because most of them tend to be. But anyway, another really cool story was just the, the captain because the captain, Marco Antila, he didn't score a single goal in the group stages. And that's really surprising when you think about the group stage because there's a lot of really subpar teams in the group stages. Like, obviously, Finland were in a group with, like, Canada and the United States and Slovakia, and right? Like, those teams are good. But they were also in a group with less than, you know, good teams, like Great Britain or France or, like, like those type of teams for... Granted, like, Great Britain and France are good soccer countries, but as far as hockey countries, they're pretty low on the, as far as the rankings are concerned. And, you know, the Finnish side, regardless of what Finnish side you put out there, they're probably way better than any French side or Great Britain side in, as far as a hockey perspective. So, 
It's really surprising that Antila didn't score a single goal in the group stages, considering some of the opposition that you go up against. But then, in the knockout stages, he was unbelievable, and he scored two goals in the gold medal game for Finland against Canada. The Canadian team, I, I mean, granted, Canada certainly didn't have a good chunk of their best players, but they had some really good ones on their team. Pierre-Luc Dubois, a guy who might actually be on the Canadian team in a few years, like, if they do go to the Olympics in 2022, we'll see. And then, I mean, you had Mark Stone on this team. Again, another really good player. Jonathan Marchessault, though, I think is one of the most underrated players in hockey, period. Thomas Shabbat, really good player as well. So Canada had some really good guys. Matt Murray in goal, too. I mean, two-time Stanley Cup champion, too. So to see Finland, especially, like, you know, beating Canada and beating a really good Swedish team and beating a really stacked Russian team. Because unlike Finland, where all of their best players went deep, or, or at least almost all of their best NHL players went deep into the playoffs this year, pretty much all the ru best Russian players got knocked out early. Because Nikita Kucherov in Tampa Bay, I mean, that was... Tampa Bay were just embarrassing. But Kucherov's their best player, and he was a complete no-show in the NHL playoffs. And then, weirdly, again, and... I don't know, like, it, it's not a very good trend for Kucherov, but he was really good in the group stages. And then in the knockout rounds, in the semifinal against Finland, in the quarterfinal game as well, that Russia played over the U.S., Kucherov wasn't really there to be found again in the big games for Russia. And in the big games for Tampa Bay, he wasn't there either. So, I don't know. There, there might be a real mental issue with a player like him just being unable to play in these big games. I don't know. Interesting either way. But, Finland's performance, very inspiring. And again, a perfect example of how team chemistry and heart and passion, right? And just the willingness to do what it takes to win, that can overcome talent a lot. And I think this Finnish team certainly proved that. And it also proved the depth of the Finnish, like, quality of talent. They have a lot more quality than I think even I thought they had. <laughs> and I'm Finnish, so that says a lot. Like, I know Finland's A-team is stacked. Like, I know that this current generation of Finnish superstars, like, a whole bunch of them are about to get paid, like, a lot of money in the NHL. Because, like, Rantanen and Aho are both restricted free agents, and they're going to get, like, 10-plus million easily this summer. So, I know how good Finland's team is, like, their NHL-caliber talent. But this goes to show that they have pretty good talent in the Finnish Elite League, too. And that's pretty cool, I think. Canada won the silver medal in this tournament. And I think Canada did really well to bounce back. Basically, Canada only lost to Finland in this tournament. They beat everyone else. So I think they should be very proud of that nonetheless, just because, again, a lot of very good teams in this tournament. Slovakia were kind of the one disappointment. Slovakia hosted the World Hockey Championships, but they didn't even get out of the group stage. They actually couldn't beat out Germany in the group. And so I'm sure Slovakia are a little bit disappointed that they couldn't do better when they were hosting. But... Anyway, Russia did win the bronze medal. They beat the Czech Republic in the semifinal game. The Americans, I think, along with the Slovaks, were the other really big disappointment. Because unlike a lot of the other teams in this tournament, the Americans had most of their roster. 
And like I'm talking about their best players. Like Johnny Gaudreau was on this team, Patrick Kane was on this team, Jack Eichel was on this team. Like the Americans had most of their good players, and they lost in the quarterfinals. So I'm I, I'm sure it's a little bit disappointing on the American side that they didn't do better in this tournament. But nonetheless, congratulations to Finland. And then it was so cool watching them, especially be- beating Sweden in the quarterfinals in overtime. That's always, always a bonus. My apologies to any Swedes out there, but um, feels it always feels good when Finland beats Sweden in almost any sporting event. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say about the World Hockey Championships. And... Yeah, coming up in my next couple segments, I'll talk about the NBA Finals. We're heading into Game 6, and the Raptors have the lead, but can they close out the Golden State Warriors? We'll have to wait and see. And also, the horrifying news about Kevin Durant. I'll talk about that as well. Stanley Cup Final is down to Game 7. I'll briefly talk about that as well in my next segment. And then I also have a Copa America bracket to bring you guys with. I guess, I don't know, a very open tournament this year. The Copa America certainly should be very intriguing this summer. For right now, I just have the one song in my music break. It's Imagine Dragons and Whatever It Takes. You're listening to CMRU.ca. By students, for you. Too fast to prepare for this Tripping in the world could be dangerous Everybody circling as vultures Negative, nepotism Everybody waiting for the fall of man Everybody praying for the end of times Everybody hoping they could be the one I was born to run, I was born for this Rip, whip, run me like a racehorse Pull me like a ripcord Break me down and build me up I wanna be the slip, slip Word upon your lip, lip Rather that you rip, rip Break me down and build me up Whatever it I'm in a pasture 
something for everyone with nearly 40 different shows. Sports, hip-hop, rock, pop, country, jazz, brand new music, oldies that are goldies, anything you want. It's all on cmru.ca by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on cmru.ca by students for you. My next segment is kind of two things in one just because Stanley Cup Final and the NBA Finals, there haven't been a ton of games played since last week because and I'm a little pissed off about the NBA and the NHL for doing this, but they have just ungodly long breaks in between their games. I don't love that about the finals this year. But anyway, that, that's a different debate for a different time. I'll start with the Stanley Cup Final. Stanley Cup Final, Game 7 is tonight. Blues and Bruins. Since, the, since my last show, they've played two games. So Game 5 and Game 6. And wow, Game 5... I'm not going to lie, that has to be one of the worst missed calls I've ever seen in a hockey game. For those of you who don't know, who don't know what I'm talking about, I would recommend Googling it very, very quickly after my segment's over. But basically, to describe this as best I can, St. Louis is winning the game 1-0. And they had it in the Boston zone. In the third period... I think there was about 12-ish minutes left. Don't quote me on the time, but I think there was about 12 minutes left. And so Boston have it in their own zone. And so Tyler Bozak, because the Bruins, Bruins player gets the puck, and then Tyler Bozak goes and just... For any of you who've seen the Karate Kid movie, there's the line in the movie where John Kreese is like, sweep the leg. And, and then, like, the, the kid, like, Johnny Lawrence is, like, you know, looking at him, like, and then he's like, you got a problem with that? And it's like, no, Sensei. That, that's pretty much what happened was Tyler Bozak went and swept the leg because he just took out Achari's leg. Achari's the Bruins player. He just took out his leg, completely tripped him, knocked him over right in front of the referee. Referee was right there. And play continued. There was no call. And St. Louis scored. And it was 2-0. Game ended up 2-1. Boston got one goal, but couldn't get a second. Like, the... Oh, it's very, very frustrating. Like, at this point, I'm almost just laughing because I almost expect horrible missed calls. And I know, there's been horrible missed calls the entire NHL postseason. Like, it almost feels like this year has been way worse than most years. Because I know... NHL officiating, especially in the playoffs, has never been good because they like to swallow their whistles and not call things. But that was so egregiously bad. 
And I'm not even cheering for Boston. I want St. Louis to win the series. But, like, Tyler Bozak just completely took out his leg. Completely took out his leg. Like, there is... You could ask a hundred people, even if they've never watched a game of hockey in their life, and they would tell you it's a trip. You don't need to be a, quote, hockey expert, or a, quote, hockey referee, or a casual fan, or you, you don't even need to have watched hockey before. You would watch that play and be like, that's a trip. Because it was a trip. And it was right in front of the referee, and it was so egregious, and it led it directly to St. Louis's second goal. Like, I don't... I don't know. Uh, at this point, I just... I don't know what the NHL does, but they probably should do something about their refereeing problem because it is bad, and it's really bad. Now, interestingly, and, and I thought this was really funny, the NHL actually hasn't admitted that that was a horrible mistake and that the referees, like, you know, completely butchered that play in the game. But interestingly, because those referees who did Game 5 of this series were supposed to do Game 7, that's no longer the case. The referees who did Game 6 in... St. Louis, they are now the Game 7 referees, which is basically the NHL very subtly under the radar trying to hide under the carpet. Yeah, okay, we messed up, but we don't want to let people know we messed up. I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that to the individual as to what their thoughts are on that. I certainly, I certainly think it's just a little bit ridiculous, this whole officiating thing in the NHL playoffs, but anyway... Boston did win Game 6, fair and square, and so Game 7 goes tonight, and I don't know. It's really tough to call Game 7, just because this series has been very back and forth. St. Louis has been really good coming off of losses as well, and the Blues have won two out of the three games in Boston so far. I don't know if that means a whole lot, but Game 7, anything can happen, and we'll find out who becomes a hero because for St. Louis, anyway, it would be their first ever Stanley Cup. And for Boston, it would be their first since 2011, which isn't that long of a time. But even still, there will be heroes and there might be villains to this Game 7. I really hope the villains aren't referees. Really crossing my fingers on that. I really hope we get a decently officiated Game 7. I'm not expecting a decently officiated Game 7, but I hope there's nothing as egregious as what happened in Game 5. Anyway, on to the NBA Finals. The Raptors lead this series 3-2. They could not close out in Game number 5 at home, as Kyle Lowry had a, sh had a shot to win the series, and apparently... I, I still haven't actually seen a replay that shows this, but Kyle Lowry said anyway that Draymond Green got a finger on it, so I'll take his word for it on that, but nonetheless... He had a shot to win the game, Green got a piece of it, and it ended up being way off. And so, Golden State survived. For now, but... They, the injuries are really piling up on the Warriors. And one thing I talked about last week on my show was that Toronto has a chance to really beat this dynasty because they are very vulnerable right now. And good teams take advantage when other teams are hurt. And Toronto did that in games three and game four. Game three, Steph Curry played out of his mind, 
but he had very little run support because Clay Thompson didn't play, and Kevon Looney didn't play, and Durant still wasn't playing, and Cousins played really badly, and Draymond Green played really badly. So it was basically Curry against the Raptors, and the Raptors did their job and beat one pretty easily. Game four, Toronto won again. Kawhi Leonard in game four, I mean, wow, he was just unreal. Those three-pointers he hit, like, Kawhi was everywhere for Toronto in game number four. He really was. And then we have game five. And game five, it looked like Leonard was going to do the same thing. And then the timeout was called. That was a weird one. And I know there's... A lot of people criticizing Nick Nurse for calling that timeout with the Raptors up six with about three minutes to go. But I don't know. On one hand, I understand why Nurse did it. But at the same time, in hindsight, he probably shouldn't have called that timeout. But anyway, the Raptors still had a chance to win the game. Unfortunately for them, they could not. And they'll have a chance to close it out. Game six Thursday at Oracle Arena. And if not, there's a Game 7, but uh, I'd certainly, if I was a Raptors fan, I would not want the game to go to Game 7. I would not want the series to go to Game 7, because that would be way too stressful. And Toronto are so close to their first ever NBA championship. So we'll see if they can close it out in Game number 6 at Oracle Arena. On to the Kevin Durant stuff. It's heartbreaking what happened to Kevin Durant, because... I don't think anybody ever wants to see an injury, but it was heartbreaking to see that because he had the strained calf and now they think it's a torn Achilles, which is probably the worst injury in sports. I know a lot of people are mad at the Warriors for playing him, and obviously in hindsight, Golden State shouldn't have played him, but at the same time, like Colin Coward on his show, he was talking about how he had a source that told him that Kevin Durant was told by some of the doctors that he probably shouldn't play because the chance of him in re-injuring something would be very high. But Durant didn't want to listen to that. Which is, I think, to me, I totally get why he did it. Because I kind of did the same thing. Playing playing soccer growing up I suffered an injury halfway like about a third of the way through my season my last year in minor soccer and my team made provincials and even though I probably almost definitely wasn't ready to come back I, I later found out my injury was a lot worse than what was initially diagnosed but anyway I tried really hard to come back and I played about 10 minutes in provincials before I got hurt again Kevin Durant lasted about 12 minutes and the reason why Durant came back was because he wanted to be there for his teammates and he wanted to win. He wanted to win a championship. Like, I totally get why Durant wanted to play in the game. And in hindsight, Golden State shouldn't have played him. But I get I get it. Like it's it's an athlete's mentality of trying to win. And it's just it's so unfortunate what happened because you never want to see it happen to anybody. But Isaiah Thomas on NBA TV, he was talking about how he had a similar injury and like the doctors told him that, you know, you can play through this injury, but there is a risk that you hurt it and you make it worse or you, you know, hurt something else, right? Like there's always that risk. And that's with any player. Like Clay Thompson's playing with an injury right now. He's playing with a hamstring injury. He could make that way worse just in one play. 
Kawhi Leonard's playing with an injury. Like, you can never predict these things. And that's why it's so heartbreaking to see. And I, I hope Durant comes back and he's able to be, you know, Kevin Durant and not a shell of what Kevin Durant is. Because Achilles injuries are really tough. So I really hope he can come back to the level that we've come to, to know him at. But we'll see. The good, I guess the only bit of good news, Durant shouldn't lose any money out of the injury because there will be, still be teams offering him max contracts. So I guess that's kind of the one little bright side to this. But nonetheless, my, my heart goes out to Durant because injuries are awful. And it's just, I know why he wanted to go back in the game. I know why he played in game five. But... Sometimes those things happen, and it's just, it's unfortunate when they do. The NBA Finals, though, like I said, Game 6, Raptors have a chance to close it out. Golden State, we'll see. They're so injured at this point that, I don't know, I'm not expecting a ton out of the two-time champions. And I think it would be really cool if Toronto won, just because what it would be, what it would mean for basketball in Canada I think would be just you can't even begin to imagine what that might mean for basketball in Canada if the Raptors win. So anyway, that's all pretty much all I got on the NBA finals. Game six goes Thursday. And if not, there will be a game seven on Sunday in Toronto. So should be a whole lot of fun. I still have a Copa America bracket to get to. But first, I have Katy Perry with Roar in my next music break. CMRU.ca. Bye, students. For you. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath. Scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I said quietly, agreed politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point. So I fell for everything You held me down, but I got up 
Welcome back to Moments of Genius. I just have one more segment left in my show, and that is previewing the Copa America with my Copa America bracket. I actually had a little more in-depth preview last week, but today it's who I think will win the tournament. The Copa America, similarly to the Women's World Cup, is very hard to predict because, again, you have to predict third-place teams. So... The way the Copa works is that there's three groups of four teams, and the top two from each group advance to the quarterfinals. And then the two best third-place teams also advance to the quarterfinals. But again, picking a third-place team to finish ahead of a different third-place team in a separate group is pretty impossible. So if I, again, if I get those completely wrong, I'm not that upset with myself just because they're really hard to pick. But anyway, on to my bracket. I think the Copa is really interesting this year because... Every contender has a reason why they shouldn't win it. And so I feel like it's a very open tournament this year, which I think makes it very fun and exciting, especially for maybe more neutral fans. So should be a very interesting tournament. Anyway, I'll start in Group A, where Brazil, I think, are probably almost certainly going to be first place. I think Brazil definitely got the easier end of the group <laughs> of the groups. And that's to be expected. They're the hosts. The hosts usually get the easier side of the draw for this. But anyway, I have Brazil in first place. Second place in Group A, I have Peru finishing there, considering they were the team. They were actually semifinalists at the Copa America in 2015. And they also were able to make the FIFA World Cup in 2018. They didn't get out of the group, but I think Peru have the quality to finish second in this group. My third place team is Venezuela with the fourth place team being Bolivia. In Group B, I have Colombia finishing in first place, ahead of Argentina, who I have in second, with Paraguay in third, and Qatar in fourth. Nothing against the Qatar players. No reason to hate the Qatar players on the national team, but I really hope their team gets killed, just because I have a big problem with their country hosting the World Cup, and that's a discussion for a different time. For any of you who listened to my show last year when I talked about the end of the World Cup in Russia, you'll know why I hate the Qatar World Cup. But anyway, I have them finishing in fourth because I actually do think they're probably the worst team in that group. Group C, this is the toughest one because I think this is probably the group of death or at least the closest thing to it. I have Chile finishing in first, Uruguay finishing in second, Japan finishing third, and Ecuador finishing in fourth. I picked Paraguay and Venezuela to be the best third-place teams. Again, I could be way off on that, but I had to pick two of them for my bracket's sake. So, with Paraguay and Venezuela being the third-place teams, my quarterfinal matchups look like this. I have Brazil versus Paraguay. I have Brazil winning that one. I have Peru versus Argentina. This is where I went with an upset. I'm going to say Peru beat Argentina in the quarterfinals and advanced to the semis. Colombia and Uruguay would be the tie of the quarterfinals, should it happen. And I have Colombia beating out Uruguay in this quarterfinal. And then Chile would play Venezuela in the other quarterfinal. And I have Chile winning that one. In the semifinals, I have Brazil versus Peru. I have Brazil winning that game. Chile versus Colombia with Chile winning that one. Which means my final at the Copa America 2019 would be Chile versus Brazil. And I know this is probably my own bias. But I think Chile have what it... Like, they obviously have what it takes to win a Copa America. And I think despite the poor seasons that their star players have had, I think they can muster up enough good performances in a tournament like this. And the golden generation can go out on a high note. I'm going to say that Chile 
are Copa America champions. They will beat Brazil in the final at the Maracanã. That's it. That's pretty much all I got. Copa America starts on Friday. Should be a whole lot of fun to keep an eye on. I'll be talking about that and the Women's World Cup all summer long. I'm ending the, the my show today with Blur and Song 2. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. And make sure to tune in all summer long for more Moments of Genius. It wasn't easy.